Okay, Masechet Pesachim, Daf 51, we're talking about the status of minhagim, customs. And uh, these, even though they're just customs, they're not, not so easy to change uh, once a, um, a family person um, uh, is accustomed to doing them. We saw the, the story about the people of Bet-She'an who had a custom from there, but before, before them, from the generation before, not to travel on Friday, even a short travel. And they tried to undo that because uh, for, for business reasons, and Abiyo Hanan said, no, Shema, Shema, Shema Benim Musar Abicha. Good. Well, now see another series of stories of people who have a certain custom, and um, it's a custom that's mistaken. And the question is whether to teach them that it's a wrong custom and change their ways, or that they should continue uh, doing that custom. Uh, so in this case, Bene Hoza'e. So the people in uh, this area of uh, the Persian, the Sasanian Persians uh, divided the empire into different districts. Uh, so called uh, called by the kind of uh, uh, family names. So this is Bene Hoza'e. Um, there, the, the Jews there, their custom was to take challah even from rice dough. And now challah only has to be taken from the five grains um, as, as we saw, rice is not one of them. So this is an extra chumrah. Um, seems to be more than a chumrah. It's like a mistake. You know, they they saw they thought any dough was it was it, what one had to do it, and uh, so they were taking from rice. Uh, maybe there weren't uh, any uh, great sages that were there to teach them. So this is what they're doing for a long time. So some people said, oh, they look, look what they're doing. And they told Rav Yosef, you have to teach them the right way. Uh, so you should take the chala. Anan Kohen should go there and eat the chala that they separated from rice. Now, it's not even just enough to tell them that it's, you don't have to do that. Go and do an act to show them. Uh, that this is not chala. You don't have to do it. Teach them the right way. This is not a minhag. It's a minhag ta'ot. So that's what Rav Yosef said. But then Abaye challenges him. Says, so we have a general rule that anything that is permitted, but people have a custom to, uh, to be stringent, we should not um, permit it in front of them. In other words, this is, uh, who says, this is not a minhag ta'ut, this is a minhag, they're taking the stringency, and uh, we don't have a right to undo a stringency that is a custom, like Rabbi Yochanan did in the previous case. Okay, Amar lo velav mi temad Allah, Amar Rav Chista Rav Yosef answers, that rule that you cannot undo a stringency that people have, that's only, only pertains to kutaim, to Samaritans, that's what Rav Chista says. Why? Who are the Samaritans? They're remnants of the 10 tribes. Uh, so they're not technically Jews because they're not from Judea than the Northern 10 tribes. Uh, most of the time we consider them not Jewish. They, they don't consider themselves Jewish either. Uh, they follow only the five books of Moses and uh, therefore reject uh, all of uh, Nach and, uh, and the Torah Shabbat Peh. However, there were certain times of history and this seems to be one of them where people like Rabbi Akiva says they converted, and the in Sefer Melachim says they converted because they were scared of lions. He says, nevertheless, they're actual converts, and therefore, to some degree, at certain times and places, they were considered actually Jewish, and therefore, any halachot that they kept, they kept, uh, they kept well, um, and so they uh, were, were in, in, to some degree, part of the Jewish community. Um, so, in this case, 
these, uh, if, if the if Samaritans have a stringency, then we don't tell, that's against halacha, we don't tell them that halacha is more lenient. Why? Because if they undo that, then they're going to undo more things. So if they have a stringency, at least they're doing something. Um, so that's regarding Samaritans. We, uh, we, we, we let them remain ignorant of halacha if they're being more stringent. So since Rav Chista says this only applies to Kutaim and these B'nei Chozaah, they're not, they're, these are not Samaritans. This is a Jewish community. And therefore, Rav Yosef said, teach them the right way that you don't have to take Chala from rice. Um, okay, but even though Rav Chistas is only Samaritans, maybe that a reason, the reasoning still applies to these people. The reason that, um, uh, right, that the Samaritans, um, uh, we, we don't tell them the, the, le- the true leniency of halacha is because they're going to stretch matters and they're going to say, this is allowed, the next thing is allowed. These people, they're also there, Amea uh, Aretz, they don't really know anything. And once we tell them that you don't have to take rice from uh, challah from rice, they're not going to take challah from anything. They're just going to get it totally wrong. So therefore, let them stay in their in their way, the, what, the, what, they, what they were saying before. So that's what Abaye says. Um, okay, good. So uh, for that reason, uh, we should uh, we should not tell them the truth and uh, we should let them continue taking challah um, from rice. A second, Ella Marav Ashe, Hazenan, I, Ruban, Ores, Achle, Lanichla, Zarba, Apaihu, Dilma, Mishtakeha, Torat, Hala, Minaihu. So Rav Ashe says, no, it depends. What, what is, what's, what's the story there? If most of them eat rice bread, that's what they eat most of the time, then do not let a, a, a non Kohen eat the Hala in front of them. In other words, in that case, um, if they, if you tell them to stop taking challah, then they're going to not take challah at all because most of what most of what they eat is rice bread. So let them continue taking challah from rice, even though it's a, a stringent sheet that's not necessary. However, however, if most of the time they're eating grain bread and only sometimes they're eating rice. Then it's uh, you should teach them the right way. Let a non kohen go and eat the challah that they took from the rice, and to teach them that rice does not need not, does not require challah. Now, why is that important to do? Because this chumrah can actually lead to a kula. And uh, if you have two two doughs, uh, one made out of rice, one out of grain, halacha is actually you can take challah from one dough for the other. And so now, in this case, if you take more from the rice dough, and you say, I'm taking challah from the rice dough, and that will be the, considered the challah for the grain, then you're running into a big problem, because this is not actually challah, because rice doesn't require challah. And now you didn't, ever, no one ever actually took the challah from the grain. And the opposite could also be a problem. If I take from the grain challah for the rice, the thing is with challah, once I, I give it to the kohen, so I don't, I don't usually take teruma ma'asir from challah. In this case, I'm taking challah for the rice dough, but the rice dough doesn't require challah. So now I'm giving the kohen something that's tebel. Um, uh, and uh, that is itself a problem because it's not, it's not in the category of challah. So um, you see, this is a very important um, a source for the way you have to be careful. Um, they took on a chumrah. If they're totally ignoramuses, okay, let them keep the chumrah. At least they have something. But be careful because uh, it could lead to a kula. So it's good if they do eat grain, it's good for them to know the actual halacha.
All right, so that's one story. And now we're going to analyze this uh, general principle further. Uh, something that is from the letter of the law is permitted. And there's some group that took on a stringency uh, for whatever reason. You, you, you are not allowed to tell them that it is permitted. They should continue in their stringency, right? It's a, uh, a bulwark uh, against, uh, um, uh, against being more lenient. Um, okay, and uh, uh, that's, the, um, that's the law. And Rav Chista, Bikut that law only applies to Samaritans uh, who are very lax in halacha. They, they barely know halacha at all. If they're doing some stringency, let them do it. Okay. Now, so that's that's the that's the Rav Chista statement. We're going to ask this. Um, we're going to ask uh, a question on Rav Chista from three more cases. Uh, what about everybody else? That means if you're not a Samaritan, uh, if if you go and see to a community, they're not Samaritans. Um, you know, they're out somewhere in some uh, small town, and they have some stringency. According to this, you should tell them this is an unnecessary chumrah. You don't need to do this. Is a false custom. Right, according to this, you should tell them. But the following three stories are all going to be about rabbis who go to some place and they don't tell them the correct law. They let the, the people, the locals, continue in the stringency. So let's see the three cases and then we'll explain why. Now, the is that um, uh, two brothers are allowed to bathe together. I mean, they're ba- bathing naked. I mean, in general, adult men are allowed to bathe uh, together in the locker room today, it's fine. Um, uh, but and two brothers is also fine. It's no, no, you know, it's not going to lead to any bad thoughts or anything. However, in the city of Kabul, um, they didn't. That was a stringency. They said uh, two brothers will not. Okay. Now uh, we'll explain the we'll explain this halacha more in a minute. right? The nasi had two children, Yehuda and Hillel. And one time they were traveling and they went to the they went to the city Kabul. They went to the bathhouse and they were bathing together. There was no no problem with that. But since in that place they had a custom not to, so the whole city they started. Uh, Raising, uh, raising their voices, say, how could they do this? In our entire lifetimes, we never saw these two brothers uh, bathing together. So what did they do? One of the brothers went out to, the, um, to another room in the bathhouse, and they separated from each other. Rather than tell the locals, your halacha is wrong. There's no halacha like this. Brothers are allowed to bathe together. So you see that they did not want to undo the stringency of this local place. Um, oh, the question is, why not? They weren't Samaritans, right? So um, Rav Chista says it only applies to Samaritans. So that's question number one. Uh, story number two, that will also question that Rav Chista's rule. Yotzim bekur de kison bashabat, ve'en yotzim bekur de sikon bashabat bebire. These are these uh, wide shoes that look like this. Maybe you can think of them like slippers. They're easily, easy to put on, but easily, easily fall off. And so you're allowed to wear these on Shabbat, but in this city, uh, of Kurde Kison, they had a stringency not to wear them on Shabbat because they might fall off and then you might carry them. Okay, good. That's a, it's not a halacha. It's just a, a stringent custom that they had. 
Another story regarding these two brothers again. One time they were traveling and they went to the city of Bide and they were wearing these uh, wide shoes. And everybody was denouncing them. We never saw anybody wear these shoes on Shabbat. That's against the rule. And so they took them off and they gave them to the, the servants to carry. Um, and they did not want to tell them uh, that, they're, uh, that it's permitted. And so you see, once again here, even though Rav Chista said that only Samaritans, you have to um, let them continue in their stringencies. Other people, you should tell them that this is a minhag ta'ut, unnecessary stringency. Yet here, the two brothers did not tell these locals as permitted. They went along with it. Okay, and third story. V'yoshevin al safsele goyim bashabbat. Again, this, con- this baraita continues um, that you're allowed to sit on stools in, uh, of, of non-Jews on Shabbat. We're talking about stools that would be in the marketplace. And so you're sitting down there. If you're sitting down there, it might look like you're uh, engaging in business. Uh, it's permitted uh, to sit on the stools. You want to rest, it's fine, right? No, 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 no one's going to think that. However, um, in Akko, uh, in the city of Akko, that was their custom not to sit on those stools uh, in order as a safeguard. So no one should think that they are um, uh, um, doing business on Shabbat. Good. Now, Okay, so the sage did. He went to Akko. He was not from there. He went and sat and sat on the chair. He thought it was allowed. It is allowed. But all the locals started yelling at him. We never did such a thing. So he went, he sat on the floor. He didn't want to start a fight. He didn't want to tell them that it's permitted. Um, Okay, so these are all the quest- three questions. Um, how come all of these sages did not tell the locals that the halacha permits? Why did they keep quiet? The answer is, So it's true that Rav Chista only said about Samaritans that you should let them continue in their stringencies so that they don't come to be even more lenient. If you tell them one leniency, they're going to go all the way. So too, the people in these various cities, there are, these are small villages. They don't have a lot. They don't have uh, rabbis that are living there that can teach them the subtleties of what's permitted and what's not permitted. So since there's no rabbis there, they have the same status as Samaritans. Uh, they are not learned. And therefore, let them continue with these few stringencies that they have. Um, because if you tell them that you know, you're allowed to sit there, then they're going to think that you're allowed to uh, do business and they don't know how to distinguish each case. Um, okay, good. So that's a, a good general rule. Even if you see a, uh, a, a per- person, a community following a minhag ta'ut for stringency, um, there are some cases you should tell them because stringency might lead to leniency. But in these cases where they're not going to distinguish and, and they're going to then violate halakha, uh, we should not tell them that it's an unnecessary stringency. 
Okay, good. Now, analyzing these three cases, the reason why they did not sit in, uh, on, the, on the Gentile stools is because it looks like they're buying and selling on Shabbat. So uh, it's, a, well, it was an appro- it's not necessary, but it's an appropriate stringency. We understand it. And these wide shoes also, it's understandable. They instituted that so that people would not start carrying if their shoes fell off. But why would they say that brothers may not bathe together? Well, it's based on this. Right? Uh, men are allowed to bathe together. Uh, we don't uh, suspect that that's going to lead to anything bad. However, not with one's father. It's not respectful to uh, be naked with one's father or father-in-law. Also, stepfather and, um, and brother-in-law. And the reason for these last two is because you see, if you see these people naked, then one might start thinking um, about their uh, intimate relations with a person's own mother or sister. And that's not, those are improper thoughts. And therefore one should not bathe together with those close relations. However, if someone's father is old or uh, ill and uh, needs help, uh, then for the for the honor of the someone's father, that is permitted to help the father out. And also stepfather. Stepfather might be someone who uh, who was uh, brought up the child. So I and, and acted acted like a father um, uh, for the child's lifetime. Also, that person, if it's uh, if it's uh, if it's required for the, that person's honor to help them bathe, then also is permitted. So that's the official halacha. These people in Kabul, they said, let's add an extra gezerah. Technically, it's only a person's sister's husband, which would be uh, pro- prohibited. But it's confusing. Sister's husband, uh, um, brother-in-law, brother, let's add an extra layer. So therefore, even brother, they, uh, they said, is, is not allowed. Okay, anyway, that explains their, their, uh, pro, their um, extra stringencies that are not actually required, but this is why they, they took them on, upon themselves. Okay, last halacha regarding this. Uh, similarly, a student should not uh, be bathed naked with his, uh, with his teacher. It's not respectful to, uh, to, to see one's teacher in that state. However, again, if this t- teacher is elderly and, and requires assistance, uh, then it's permitted because that's really for the honor of uh, to help out the teacher. All right, good. So um, now a next uh, a next story. Uh, okay. So now we have another difference between uh, going back to Mishnah, where there's a difference of minhag in one place or another. Um, the, you have this section of the animal stomach. Part of the animal stomach that's uh, more round is, is prohibited. And there's another part that's a straight part. But since it's near it, in some places they would not eat it. In some places they would eat it. Um, so in Eretz Israel, they would eat this part of the stomach. But in Bavel, they were more stringent and they did not eat this part of the stomach. Okay, so the Bab he was from Eretz Israel and he came to Bavel. And so while he was in Bavel, Okay, 
so he's the Rabbi Barchana is sitting there eating lunch, and he's eating this this section of the of the of the stomach that they only are permitted to eat in Eretz Israel. But these now he's in Bavel. These two rabbis all of a sudden come into his room, and he, he covers his plate. He doesn't want them to see that he's eating something that is prohibited in this in that in Bavel they don't eat. Okay, so that's the end of the story. But then those two rabbis go, they went and report what happened to Abaye. They said, oh, we, we, you know, we, uh, we happened to barge in to the Baba Bara Chana eating lunch and he covered his plate. Oh, he treated you like Samaritans. <laughs> In other words, technically, this part of the stomach is permitted. And uh, he didn't want to tell you it's permitted, right? He wanted you to think that it's not permitted. Why? Well, this is the law that you don't tell Samaritans that they are following a, an unnecessary stringency because, uh, you know, they're ignoramuses. They don't know anything. So <laughs> he's saying, right, Rababad Chana, Treated you like ignoramuses. Okay. Right. Okay. So we understand those two two rabbis, and but and the question is now on Rabbi Barchana himself. Doesn't he know the Mishnah? Right. That if you go from one place to another, and one place has a stringency, the other place doesn't. You have to keep the stringencies of both places. So even though it's true in Eretz Yisrael, where he was from, this was permitted. When he comes to Bavel, he should be stringent and not eat in that place. Uh, that's the question. He says that rule the, of the, the rule of the Mishnah is limited, or it only applies if you're going from one city to another city within Bavel, or from one uh, city in Eretz Yisrael to another city in, in Eretz Yisrael, because those are the same same level of uh, of authority. Or also, if you're going from Bavel and you have a, a, a to Eretz Yisrael, you should respect the stringencies in Eretz Yisrael because Eretz Yisrael has a higher level. An amazing statement. They said if someone goes from Israel to Bavel, then that person does not have to keep the stringencies of Bavel. Says because we, meaning the Babylonians, are subordinate to the those in Israel in halacha, we should act in accordance with their custom. This is quite an amazing statement that in Talmud Bavli, uh, recognizing the uh, authority, the higher authority of Eretz Yisrael, uh, maybe because Avirad de Eretz Yisrael Machim, right? Even the the uh, air in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, makes people wise. Also, in Israel, they actually had official semicha. That's why any sage that has the B in their title, you know, they're from Eretz Israel. In Bavel, they did not have that level of official semicha. So, like Rav Asher, all the rabbis in Bavel are called Rav. Um, so, in any case, it's uh, giving a limitation to the Mishnah um, that uh, it, uh, a person from Eretz Israel he has higher authority and does not have to give in to the customs. Of the place that he goes to. Um, okay. Also, in this case, he's doing it privately, right? He's in his. He was just in his in his own uh, his own dining room. There's nobody else there, so he's eating uh, on his own. It's not talking about uh, when he was like you know going and doing work outside. Okay. Uh, has a second answer. He says no. Even you can even say that the Mishnah does apply 
when one travels from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel, you always have to keep the custom, the, the, the uh, stringent customs. However, that's only if you're going to move, going there and moving for good. If he was moving to Bavel and was going to planning on on uh, uh, staying there permanently, then he would have to take on the stringencies of Bavel and not be able to eat. But since he's going and he's going to go back, then that's uh, it's okay. Um, so see if you take this and combine it with the things that you're doing, in, because this was done in private, then you understand why people in that live, that Israelis nowadays, if they go outside of Israel for Yom Tov, they can uh, do Melacha and Yom Tov Sheni in private, right? Um, so, uh, so it does, right? So it still, it still does, it still does apply um, since they're going to go back, but not if they're moving permanently. Okay. So this Rabba Barchana, he's the one who ate the stomach, um, uh, the straight part of the stomach. However, even though he ate it, he told his son not to, right? He said, do not eat the stomach, not when you're with me and not even when, and, and also, of course, not when you're not with me. Uh, why? Why? If he did it, why can't his son do it? My teacher was Rabbi Yochanan, and he used to eat it. Rabbi Yochanan is such a great sage that not only he can do it for himself, but since I was with him, I can rely on his uh, heter, whether when I was eating with him and also not with him. But you, since you were, you were not there with Rabbi Yochanan, you're only a second generation student, and therefore you may not uh, continue to eat it. Right? So this is quite an amazing thing that a precedent of a, a sage who goes against the, you know, the, uh, the majority opinion um, can be relied upon. Look, the sage himself, he has his uh, understanding. And so Rabbi Yochanan, of course, can do it. Even the one generation students can continue. It says, I was with them, I did it. So they, they can do that as well, but it doesn't last uh, two, steps, uh, two steps removed. Okay, very interesting. Now the problem is that what uh, this this uh, statement that the Baba Khanad just said is a um, contradicts something else that he also said. We're not going to even answer this question. We're just going to note the contradiction. So Rabbi Barchanan reports that one time Rabbi Yochanan said that he went to a garden with Rabbi Shimon ben Yosef ben Lukina, right? And uh, this was during Shivi'at year. During a Shivi'at year, uh, generally you can't grow anything. You're not allowed to plant and grow anything. But things that, what about things that grow on their own? Um, Those, uh, those, generally are a problem. They're not, not allowed. Um, and he took the cabbage um, and ate it and gave it to me. Um, so, he says, listen, um, here's, a, here's a cabbage. And he said, when you're with me, you can eat it. But you cannot rely on this leniency to eat cabbage during Shivi each year that grows on its own when you are not with me. Why? 
כדאי הוא רבי שמעון בן יוחאי לסמוך עליו בפניו ושלא בפניו. I was with רבי שמעון בר יוחאי. He permitted eating after growth of cabbage. And so therefore, since I was with him and he's a great sage, so his leniency can rub off on me, and therefore I'm allowed, I'm allowed to eat it whether I'm with him or not with him. But you, ata, you can eat it with, while you're with me, but not when you are not with me. Um, and, uh, okay, so you see that in this case, Rabbi Barchana um, uh, did rely on the, say, on the second uh, step that someone who was with, someone who was with Rabbi Shimon is allowed to eat the... Um, the, the, the cabbage and rely on the leniency of the teacher's teacher. Whereas in the first case, he was more stringent and said, you can't even eat it when you're with me. Okay, that's the story. Just trying to figure out the halacha behind it. Might it be Shimon? What is this? Any, anytime we see the Bishimon Stam, that's the Bishimon Bar Yochai. Right, what, what was his opinion? And uh, it's based on this. The Tanya, the Bishimon Omer, Kola Sefechin Asurim, Chutz Mesifiche Kerub, a thing after growths, things that grow on their own, uh, vegetables that grow on their own during Shavuot are, are prohibited. Uh, the reason is because uh, even though you didn't work on it, if we allow it, then people, uh, farmers are going to go, they're going to plant few seeds, they're going to say it was an aftergrowth, but they, it could lead, lead to people planting things. But kerubim, uh, uh, cabbages are different than other vegetables in the, in the garden. It seems because cabbages do, do have roots under the ground that continue from season to season. So they're more like uh, fruits in that sense, and uh, therefore... Um, uh, was, there was no need to replant them every year. So uh, he says we can be lenient and assume that they were in fact after growth from a previous year. Uh, to make no distinction, then they say cabbages and all other vegetables, none of them can be eaten during the Shevi'it year. Okay. By the way, this halacha makes it extremely difficult to live during the Shavuot year because, like you know, the things that just grow on their own—that's the only thing that they'll be able to have if they, you know, from whatever they weren't able to store from before. So the commentaries the debate whether this is talking about after the time of biur. In other words, when there's still lots of them around, then according to many, it is permitted. And this is only talking about when uh, after there's no hefker anymore, and they have to get rid of everything, like we said yesterday. Um, and both of these opinions, right, why do they say after growths are, pro, are, are prohibited in general? They're both following the Akiva, who quoted the Pasuk, during the Shibit year, right, the people are going to say, wait, we can't plant anything or gather our crops. And Torah says, don't worry, right? You'll, uh, you'll be taken care of. Why does Pasuk have to say, we can't plant and we can't gather? If they didn't plant anything, then how are they going to gather anything? So we learned from this Pasuk that even things that you didn't plant, but they grew on their own, the aftergrowth, are also prohibited. So why do they disagree then? They they both uh, they both agree that 
cabbages are in fact different from other, uh, other vegetables that they can grow, regrow from year to year, even without replanting. Um, but the rabbis say we should make a gezerah um, that uh, from uh, cabbages that they should, we should treat them like all other vegetables because people make a mistake and they look, they look like regular vegetables. So therefore make a blanket uh, prohibition. And Rabbi Shimon says, no, we don't have to make a gezerah. People will know cabbages are different from other vegetables and that's perfectly fine. Okay, good. And now we get back to the, uh, the next section of the Mishnah. It says, Haolech mi makom, right? Someone who goes from a place where they do work on Pesach to a place where they don't do work on Pesach, right? And, uh, and the opposite, you have to take on both stringencies. So the right the second clause in the Mishnah said one should not deviate because of a dispute, right? So that when the Mishnah says that, what what case would that apply to? Well, it makes sense for the first case if someone goes from a place where they don't do work. Um, uh, where they do work, to a place where they don't do work, and then he's going to go be the only one performing work in that place. He's going to stand out. He's going to look different. It's going to cause dispute. So for that first case, we understand why the Mishnah would make that rule. If you come from a place where people do not do work, and you go to a place where they do work, then what does that mean? You should not deviate from the local custom. So that means you should do work. I came from a place where they didn't do work. I go to a place where they do, where they do work. And it says, be, do the same as what everybody else is doing there. So that means I should go and do work like the locals. But that contradicts the first part of the, of the Mishnah. Right? The Mishnah first says, do the stringencies of both places. And then it says, don't do anything different from the local, local custom. That's contradictory. right? If I should take on the stringencies, the stringency of the place I came from is not to do work. And then you say, do what everybody else is doing. That means they should do work. So which, which one is it? So we have two answers. Um, the Rabbi says the statement that you should not be different from the locals is only talking about the first case where you're going to a place where they don't do work. So then um, take on the stringency of the, that place and don't do work. Um, but it's not referring to the second clause. Second clause, in fact, um, you, should be dip, you should be different from the locals, even though they're all working, you don't work. Uh, says we can actually apply that rule to both clauses, that you should never do something that will stand out as being different from the locals. However, it's not a problem in the second case. What are you worried about? Are you worried that someone is, uh, is going to say, Melacha um, uh, 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 is, not, is not allowed and um, uh, someone's going to look at him not working and says, oh, what are you doing? How come you're not working? No, no one will say that. There's a lot of people that are idle in the marketplace. Not everybody's working. You don't like you have to work. So if this person comes from a place where they don't work and he goes to this place and he's sitting around on, uh, on, the, on the, the morning of the 14th not doing work, it's not going to uh, 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 raise a uh, um, uh, arouse uh, any dispute 
that people will uh, say, oh, look, he's not, not following local custom. If he's just not doing work, that's just passive. And so there's no problem in doing that. And uh, that ends the daf today. And so we see a lot of different uh, variations of, uh, of, the, of these local customs. And uh, when the people, the locals are being stringent for, for no good reason, do you tell them that? Or do you not tell them that? When you're there yourself, do you, you have to practice. You can't go against the local custom yourself, but it makes a difference if it's in public and in private. And very interestingly, it depends on going from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel or the other way around. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.